0: Byron, Mississippi. It's Lakeshore Church. Judas has just been, he's just been identified. The other disciples didn't get it right away in John's writing, but Judas has just been identified. He's just run out of the room, if you know what I'm talking about. He was the betrayer. And so it's a pretty heavy moment, I would say, for, for Christ. And then immediately, this is what he said. When, G, when Judas leaves the room, he says this, and when he had left, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified. You know, it's amazing, how we, it's amazing how God changes this scenario. We'll talk about the cross in a few minutes. That it was glorified, all the stuff he was going to go through, and, and all the things that would be done to him, he was glorified. Jesus was already saying that before he died. He said, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Children, I am with you a little while longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so now I tell you where I'm going, you cannot come. I give you a new command, Look, notice these two verses, I give you a new command, love one another just as I have loved you, you are to love one another, but by this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. As you're settling in, it there's a couple of things, I, I can't tell you probably, I couldn't put a number on how many times I've referenced uh, John 13, 34, and 35, they are just paramount verses where Jesus gave a new command, we can put a lot of emphasis on the word command, uh, that you love one another. And then he gave a description to it, and he said, "As I've loved you. Uh, and I don't know about you, but if I stop and I start packaging, unpackaging that, that's a pretty hard read. Now, wait a second, now, I'm supposed to love others the way you love. So you died on a cross. You were willing to pay sin's debt. You were willing to give your life. You were willing to leave heaven, the place we want to get to and come to this place, <laughs> the place we're going to leave one day so so I'm supposed to parallel that and then so so I take that as an observation for you today that that whether it's Easter we're, we're supposed to pour into others, we're supposed to be engaged and involved in others. but the other thing I get from this is is something that he referenced in the last verse in verse thirty five where he said Everyone else, all those folks out there, notice this, are going to be affected the way you love each other. And the point I want to make is other people are watching. I hope you get that. I would dare say if you just get that out of this sermon, it would be a big step. If you realize that everything you say, somebody's listening. Uh, And I don't want to talk about the Lord. I don't want you just to put it in 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 the spiritual. I want you to talk about individuals. Everything you do, somebody's watching. That's what Jesus said. They're watching the way you love. In other words, the way you act, the way you react, what you hold, what you harbor, what you operate in, other people are observing that. (laughs) My whole ministry, and and, and I've done some reminiscing lately, but whole ministry, I I, I don't miss the opportunity. I don't back up from this. You've heard it hundreds of times. You're going to hear it hundreds more times. Uh, we've decorated this place in the cross because it's so real and it's so relevant and it's so effective in our life. I, I wrote it down for you today this way. Our, our whole existence is about the cross. I'm going to heaven today because I've had an experience at the cross. Our hope today in humanity is because Jesus hung, bled, and died on a cross and paid sin's debt. For you and me, not that we would be saved, that we might be saved. It's our choice. It's all about a cross. And see, when the, our whole existence is about that. And yet, you know this, where I'm going with this. I've been fascinated for years, decades, about the cross. Uh, some of the stuff you'll say, I've heard that so many times. We need to hear it again. Uh, you, you have two pieces of wood. You've got the vertical, which is representative of my relationship with the Lord. Um, You've got to have a vertical, <laughs> But then um, immediately with the cross, if you have a vertical, you're gonna naturally have a horizontal. It's amazing. You got the vertical and horizontal, you, but then you got the intersection. And I'll show you something. I found this online and, and, and I, it's so good. And, and it has the, where it came from. Somebody made this and I was just fascinated because this cross, yes, it's about love and you, you gotta love God with everything about you, the vertical and you love your neighbor as yourself, the horizontal. But I love that they depicted, they put a heart in there, and right there, there's Jesus in the middle. Jesus is the intersection of the cross. Hey, he's, what, he's what makes it all happen. <laughs> you with me? See, my relationship with the Father in heaven is predicated on going through Jesus. That's good theology. And someone said, Brother Jay, how can we love each other? But God made us all different, but, but our commonality is the intersection of the cross. How can I get to heaven, preacher? you got to go through the shed blood of Jesus Christ to get there. So to have the vertical, you got to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not good works. It, no, 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 that's what it is. Now, how do, how do we operate in the horizontal? How do I deal with all these crazy people in my life? How do I deal with all these folks, whether I work with them, live with them, I'm, whatever? You know, I'm around How do I deal with that person that jumps up and down on my last nerve? How do I deal with them? You deal with them through Jesus Christ. Jesus was dealing with Judas when he said this. Do you follow me? He's dealing with Judas when he said this. So you and I got to get it. It's not when you're on the mountaintop, it's when you're in the valley. (laughs) It's not when everything's going well, it's when somebody's having you for lunch. And they're saying all manner of evil against you and they're saying all this stuff and doing all this stuff and some issues... You still got to operate in the horizontal with Jesus. He also said that, listen, all of those folks out there, see, they're going to realize it the way you love each other. See, see, and we got to get this. So what happens is if if I'm operating that way and you're operating that way, then we're going to affect each other at the cross. So it's not just all of us think what I'm doing for everyone else, but if everyone else is doing that, then we're going to have a healthy relationship. You following what I'm talking about? It's not always, well, I'm the good guy, they're the bad guy, so look at me, Lord. But we're all good guys because we want to carry the cross and we want to be what God wants us to be. Therefore, that is reciprocated one to another. Hmm. Listen, it's so good. Uh, We need each other. Small, small, I hope you're understanding it now. Small is huge. To have a few people in your life that can have input, a few people in your life that you can be yourself, a few people in your life that you can share your heart with is huge. Small groups, uh, listen to me, I just think along the first thing I think about small groups, four things. First one is, it, it's a realization that alone is limited. Not saying there's a time that you shouldn't be alone. The older I get, I, I tend to like uh, being having some solitude. I like that word. Uh, you think about your devotional time, you need solitude, you don't need racket. It, it's hard to find the Lord in, in community. You know, you got to have quiet time. The scripture talks about that, a time of fasting a time of prayer you do that alone with god you're you're in god's presence but i think it's limited we are not desired we are not designed by almighty god to be alone you think about family family genesis 128 says it pretty well god blessed them and god said to them be fruitful and multiply fill the earth (laughs) and says some other things you know be fruitful multiply god's god's about more he's he's not about lonely Everything in his creation was great except for the loneliness of Adam. And then we have friends. <laughs> Ecclesiastes 4.9. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. Two are what? They, it is better than one. Oh, no, I think one is better. No, no. The realization, the authority of God's word, inspired word, alone is limited. Some of you here know this, but I, I love golf. I, I do. Golf is probably the, one of the most lonely sports there is. But as lonely as golf is, listen to me, okay? As, as individual a sport as it can be, there's not, there's not a golf game where two people hold the club. You following what I'm saying? But you all know, found out, here's, here's a PGA golfer, and he's got a caddy. They got big books that they hold in the back pocket. Watch the golfers today. They'll have a book that's got yardages and somebody's giving them input. They got a coach outside the ropes. You can go to YouTube and there's hundreds of them. They can tell you all kinds of stuff, get you all mixed up before your next appointment with to the golf course. The point I want to make is as lonely as golf is, as much as you're by yourself swinging the club and scoring and all that, there sure is a lot of people that affect you. See, church, we need to realize that. Hmm. God said alone is not good be limited. Secondly, when I think about small groups, alignment is good. Going the same direction with some folks and sharing life with another and headed that way. The older I get, the more it means to me. We need camaraderie. And if you're not getting beat up in the world, maybe you're not on the front line the way you need to. But the world that I live in, when you take a stand for Christ and you stand on God's word, there's a lot of people take shots at you. This is not a poor pity me and Mully grub. nobody loves me, everybody hates me, I'll go eat me some earthworms. It's not that kind of sermon. But it is to tell you when you stand for God and right, the more you stand, the more you stick out. And you know what you need when you do that? You need people of like faith and alignment with you that come alongside you and make up the difference. Many of you do that for, for me. You, you pray, you do those kind of things. Uh, my family would tell you that uh, I've had a saying for decades. And, and uh, this is the saying, we're making memories. Usually when it's par- coming apart at the seams, I, I'm talking about usually, you know, you don't remember normal, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, you don't remember, you know, um, today it, it's a great, and I hope it doesn't happen, but uh, tired enough for it to happen. If, if I got up at the end of the service today and I walked up to the front and I fell off the steps flat on my face, you would remember this service. So say, what'd he preach on? I don't remember that, but I remember when he busted it right out in front of us, right before we went home. you remember that it'd stick out, right? We just made a memory. Long after I'm gone, some of you say, you know, I remember that time that preacher fell out in the church, fell all out in the front row. When when something different happens, it, it sticks out. We're, we make memories. That's one of those grace things for me is how do you adjust when when things don't go your way? You, you remember things that, that are different. And so in this today, I want you to know when, when we align up with God, we're, we're making memories. God's desires for you and me to be together. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but but the root word for relationships is relate. All of God's creation, this might get me in a little trouble, but I believe with every fiber of my being. All of God's creation, he didn't do it in some random craziness. Every bit of God's creation has order. And within that order has groups. God's always had groups in biology. Now we got some in our church that could speak this stuff and speak over your head and my head. They've studied this stuff out. God has groups in biology. Today man comes along and we want to twist it and turn it in all kind of crazy ways. But biology, let me tell you something. We're not like anything else. We are created in God's image and likeness. And human beings are different than all other parts of God's creation and biology that he created. And we struggle today because we want to bring all this other stuff to the table. And I'm reminded what the Word of God says, professing themselves to be wise, they become as fools. God has a grouping to biology. He has a grouping, and, and this is going to get me in trouble. He has a grouping in gender. Man get a hold, gets a hold of this stuff in their fallen state, and we mess it up. God's always had a, a, a grouping. He has grouping in, in, in species. You know, uh, I've, I've loved animals, but I don't love animals as much as I love my kids. Now, sometimes my kids have acted like animals, but that's a different story. But yet you see things go on in our world today and it's almost like we're bringing up other parts of God's biology and God's creation to be equal with humanity. No, it doesn't work because when we mix groupings up, it it gets confused at best. God always, he's got biology and he has species. But let me tell you what he also has. He also has groupings in spirituality. We need to hear this, folks. Folks. The ground at the cross is level. He didn't die for some. He died for all. But today, there are two groups of spirituality as I preach this. There is a grouping of people who are redeemed, and there's a grouping of people who are not redeemed. Though they are equal at the cross because he died for all, they do not know Christ. All of them do. So we're not in the same group. If the trump of God should sound in the immediate. Listen, the, the group that's going are the ones that are blood bought and redeemed. They're going because we've been grouped with the Redeemer. You follow what I'm saying? And so, my Brother say why, why are you sharing all this? Because alignment is really, really important. You need from time to time in your life to be around people of like faith. You, you serve in this world and you go and you do. And it equates itself, it just comes to mind, it equates itself to when he wanted to wash Peter's feet. And Peter was thinking, man, he's the Messiah. He's the son of God. He he does all these miracles. I'm not going to let him wash my feet. And he said, if I don't wash your feet, Peter, you'll have no part of me. And to which Peter said, Lord, not only my feet, but my hands and my head. He realized the direction he was going, the alignment. He was fixing to step out into arena he didn't need to be. But what did Jesus say? He said, Peter, I don't need to wash your head and your hands. They're clean. I need to wash your feet because we live in a dirty world. Folks, we live in a dirty world. We need alignment. Get this now, the reason we need small groups, one of the reasons we need alignment. There's time to time I need to sit around with individuals of like faith who are going the same direction, who align up with the direction that I'm going so that it speaks power and volume into my life. I hope I said that pretty well. Never forget God identifies us. Huh? We're in his grouping. I'll give you two more, small groups. Number three, we're at our best with accountability. This is a biggie. In church work, we don't like to talk about it. I can't tell you how many times the pastor, I've been surprised when all of a sudden the veil was taken back and they were involved in something I didn't know about. Oh, man, I thought they were right with the Lord. I thought they were serving the Lord. I thought it was all committed. Man, look what they were doing. I mean, I could tell you several stories. Of course, none of that has to do with Lakeshore, but I wouldn't do that. But we need accountability. Think about it again, Genesis 128, you know. Think about that, how God put us together. Why did God tell us to be fruitful and multiply? Why, why are there, should be more people? Why, why do we have friendships in Christ? Why do we need a small group, preacher? Why do we even need to come to church? In the sling of marriage, why, why, what, what's the big deal about marriage? Why, why a family? All of those are great questions, and I've got one answer for you that often we don't talk about. These things, I believe, and others were prescribed for you and me for accountability. We don't like to talk about that. When you're involved in this room, you can hide behind somebody and somebody will lose you. Let me tell you, and I can't chase this rabbit too far because I got some other things. But right now, as the staff, we're working on, we call them fringe people. People we hadn't seen in a while. Maybe it's a result of COVID. Maybe they're doing something. Maybe they relocated. But as people come to mind, we've created this list leading up to Easter that, that we're going to search out and find out where some folks win and what they're doing and what's going on with them. And so we've identified them as French people for whatever reason. Maybe they're no longer Lakeshore folks. Maybe they went somewhere else. Maybe they moved. We haven't. So, so that kind of thing. But what happens in this thing of accountability, oftentimes in the church, we don't want to let anybody in and be accountable. Can't tell you how many times in church work I've dealt with it. That's really basically they've said it's none of your business. But when we become part of the body of Christ, listen to this now, and we become part of his church and we line up with a local church, what we're saying part of that says I will make myself accountable to the church. And it's not really a big thing, but it can be a huge thing. And see, in the big number, you can get lost. There are times I feel convicted sometimes as a senior pastor. A name will come to mind and said. Man, I hadn't thought about those folks in months. And then COVID brought on a whole new thing that, you know, we weren't here and there was there. And so we all thought, well, everybody's at the house with their mask on, you know. And then it's been a carryover as those have been lightened and things have been happening and, and, and all of that. We've got out from underneath that. It still carries over. The point I want to make is this. When you don't see somebody in a small group, they're more accountable than they are in the big group. I've always said church work, all you gotta do is pick out a big headed joker and just sit behind him in church. The preacher will never see you. And I've also, one of, the, one of the dangers of church work is, I sit here, you all know my name, I'm the one screaming and hollering, but a lot of people in ch- church think I should know their name because we were in the same room together for an hour. And the sadness of it is, is there a bunch of you in this room, I don't know who you are. You clean up well, you look great today, and I'm saying that because the lights are low, okay? <laughs> I mean, you look good today, But you might be a million miles away from God. You following me? What what small groups does, it makes us accountable to each other. And I think we grossly miss that in the body of Christ today. We we come and go and and we do the big thing and and all that. And all along, maybe we look the part on the outside, but we're far from God on the inside. Let me give a parallel quickly. Monday and Friday, there's some men in this room. That, that hold my heart in their hand. It took me a while. Uh, I, I don't like being a, a, a Facebook subject. I don't like somebody who has a best friend that you tell them something in confidentiality and they tell their best friend in confidentiality and they tell their best friend in confidentiality and before long, we're just a bunch of best friend gossipers is what we are. Don't have time to establish all that. I could stay there for a lot longer than I need to. But that's the world that we live in. So what's happened is, instead of accountability, we say, I'm just going to keep my, you know, I'm going to keep all my stuff close to me. I'm not going to let anybody in. I'll smile. I'll be pleasant. But I'm not going to let them see the real me. And so we go through this life, even in a public way, we're very lonely. And what I see is this. I preached it before a few weeks back, is that Jesus came along. He didn't, he didn't have thousands. He had 12. And out of that 12, he had three. And I think the scripture bears out that there were times he called the three to him and left the other nine. And then it's very apparent that out of those three, then he had John, who was his best buddy. Hmm. And Jesus said, if you go look at it, the Garden of Gethsemane is a great example. If you'll go look at it, he was even more intimate and more real. That sounds unbelievable. But he saw those three saw a bigger side, a greater side of him than the others did. And so the point I'm making is this. We need accountability, folks. And a lot of times, one of the things we don't want to hear in church is being accountable. And I hope I've, I hope I've framed it in a way that you see the necessity of it and not the burden of it. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that in a minute with a word that I want to close with. The last one is this. Uh, we must allow others in. Let me show you something neat in the word. Probably one of the first sermons I ever preached. Uh, somebody else had done all the work. I just plagiarized it. I was reading along, saw, saw this. I had to be in my early 20s. And uh, maybe even 20. But it was called the, the, the three must of John chapter 3. And I've been fascinated with this. I want to show them to you quickly. In John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. In John chapter 3, verse 14, he said, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. What a great analogy for our life. Uh, a great example of Jesus being lifted up and we're redeemed because of the price that he paid for you and me. And then one more, in John chapter 3, verse 30, he said, he must increase, but I must decrease. Isn't that a great sermon? I mean, preach, if you'd only preach that short sometime, we'd come more often. Anyway, I want to give you another must today. If you're going to be healthy, that's what we're doing in this ladder, folks. It's about being a disciple. It's about being healthy. If you're going to be healthy, you've got to let others in. I know that's hard for folks because people have... They've been vulnerable. They've told people stuff, and they went and told other folks. Uh, we haven't been, you know, what we need to be sometimes is the body of Christ. But you got to let other people in. Somewhere we've got to deal with this stuff, and I'm going to help you, all right? I want to say it this way. I wrote it down. They'll, they got it up there for you. And just a reminder for you to visually see it. We are always better together. Um, I could spend a lot of time talking about that. These channels, when you see the little gazelle get by itself and, and all the cheetahs get after him, they're always by themselves. The, the, the one animal went down to the, to, the, to the water by itself, and the crocodiles got him. Isolation, loneliness. I told it in the first service, I tell it here, there was a lady in our church. I loved her dearly. She loved me dearly. The saddest thing about her passing, she had COVID, pneumonia. She was in the hospital. She eventually passed away. The saddest thing about her passing is she was in the hospital by herself. I've said when all the history stuff is written on COVID, I think maybe the top of the list for me. Because we do have a mortality rate, So folks. Every one of us are going to leave this world one day and take our last breath. I, I'm not Jack Kevorkian here. I'm not for euthanasia. But we're all headed toward an eventual demise. Probably when all the history stuff is written on COVID somewhere, maybe the first chapter needs to be about loneliness and isolation. I'm not here to be politi- I'm not here to p- politicize it, get all in out in the weeds and that. But that's a sad scenario. Let me make a parallel. It's a sad scenario when somebody spiritually is alone. It's a sad scenario that we've gotten so good at doing church that we really don't know who's sitting in here. I've been mesmerized, folks. I wish I would go back and study them over again. I'd come up with six people that I've been amazed that they were sitting in church, and all of a sudden, when it was all known, I had no clue, okay? Had a guy I dealt with ministry before I moved here and after I moved here. Wife began to run around on him, and he killed his, her boyfriend out in the front yard of their house. I prayed with him at an altar several times before I moved here. Surprised? Oh, yeah, I was surprised. You know what I think lacks, and we need to hear this? Small groups. Brother Jay, that's so heavy. It is heavy. All the enemy's got to do to have a, a heyday in your life and mine is get us by ourselves, And we play that isolated game long enough, it costs us greatly. And we know, a, a big room's good because that's where God convicts and his word comes alive to us and all that. But where we grow is when we have a small group. This is just observations, and please receive it. Some advice, if you will. Number one is this. When it comes to small groups, don't be the victim. Now, now, we're going to give an account as the church because there's sometimes people have taken stuff, and they tell it, and they walk it, and they talk it. Now, I'm not even talking about social media. I'm talking about long before social media. And, and people get burned. Well, Brother Jay, I opened up to somebody, and they just they threw me down like a hot rock. Or they went and talked it. And they didn't, they didn't, what I needed, they didn't do it. And so I'm I'm just going to be reserved. Don't be the victim. There's no places for pity parties, guys. Huh? There are people that let us down and hurt, and I believe I could compete with you. But how dare me let them have more part of my heart than God does in this arena? No pity parties. Hmm. I, I said it. I wrote it down. The street runs both ways. You know what I'm talking about? I just need to remember. One of these grace thoughts for me is if somebody's hurt you, just remember this, that God died for them too. I'm not talking about you got to have them over for lunch and and be their best buddy. But don't play the victim. Because playing the victim keeps you from getting where God wants to get you. Secondly, be a visionary. Well, preacher, I've never done this before. I I could pay for somebody's lunch at a five-star restaurant. If I had $5 for every time I've heard somebody in the church tell me that, we've never done this before. But you know what? You need that small number of folks. It could be there's been the lack of growth in your life because you've been counting on this room to do it when God wants the smaller number to do it. Hmm. Get involved and engaged. Thirdly, this is a biggie. Be vulnerable. Don't you think we got enough people with fluff going on? (laughs) Be vulnerable. What in the world do you mean by that? People look for stuff that's real, you know? Uh, It's time for the body of Christ to be real. You know, I, I, man, I hope the rest of ministry. i have complimented that when you sit in front of folks, stand in front of folks, you're real. Because we got enough fluff, we got enough, we got enough storefronts. I've always loved westerns. I have one of the saddest days of my life is when I realized that you know Dodge City, and and all those kind of things are just storefronts. Remember watching documentaries? They are showing you the Wild West. You're seeing the town, and all of a sudden. The, the camera rolls over here and it's nothing but a two by six that's holding up a storefront Listen to me church get this now. I'm almost done. God's got enough storefronts Hmm, I wonder how many people right now you're just putting on the storefront today You, you just got a two by six behind it God wants something deep down in us God wants us to be vulnerable God's got enough people that clean up well You know somewhere we got to let people in Mm. Well, the best time of my my marriage is when I began to let Suzanne in. Got to be vulnerable. This is what's going on with me. God's got enough storefronts, and one more. I want you to do with me. And the reason this one made the list, I envision victories. God help us. I look forward to people understand. We've talked about it. instead of just saying small groups or our instruction arm and that kind of thing and salt and light groups Or our Sunday school class or whatever identification you going to give it. I believe the more we invest the more you're going to get out of it. Part of who you need to be spiritually is to have a network within your life so that you can be accountable and you can grow.